Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We're on a collision course with the national championship and only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince LaCoco. We are back. Rivalry week is here. Louisville, Kentucky. That's where we are. That's what we're about to have happen this weekend uh, as the cards are coming off of a victory against NC State heading into Thanksgiving. Uh, certainly a lot to be grateful for. We're going to get into a bunch of that throughout the episode here on From the Pink Seats Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lane, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Vincent Lococo. No Matt McGavick tonight doing the, the crossover thing as Louisville basketball will tip off here uh, within the hour as we record this episode on a, uh, a pretty nice Wednesday here in Louisville as we, uh, again, head into the holidays. But Presley Meyer, P-Dog, joins us tonight on From the Pink Seeds podcast. Been a frequent guest this season. Uh, definitely uh, excited to talk Kentucky with somebody who will likely be going to the game. You won't catch me in Lexington. Uh, my family well, literally went to Lexington today, and I was like, no, I'm good. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to As of recent, recent events. Uh, Are you going? We might have two people going. Well, look, yes. here's my thought. I, I think, maybe. It's well, it's a very I'm leaning like ninety percent probably just gonna go ahead and pull the trigger and go. There you go. Well, here's I mean I got I was texting my mom about tickets like twenty minutes before this. So 
Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to you fellas ahead of time. I'm very thankful to have both of you in my life to talk football with and to, of course, just to be friends with. Uh, but secondly, if I did go to Lexington, best believe that I would be talking a bunch of shit and then getting behind Vince like a little puppy dog. <laughs> like Vince fight my battles for me is what I would be doing. In I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, guys. You you know, he's he's different. He's different, he's different, guys. He's different. <laughs> well, a yeah, lot so. to, to be excited about is, again, the rivalry. This season looks to be a, a little bit more competitive, on, at least hopefully on the Louisville side. We'll kind of rehash everything over the last couple of years, uh, to which Vince asked before, do we have to? Uh, <laughs> we'll do all of that on the show. And then, of course, we're going to look back at the NC State game, which feels like it was weeks ago. Uh, but just a couple of days ago, Louisville takes down NC State on senior day, 25-10 to 10 victory. Uh, a lot to get into on that, so we'll have Vince's game notes. We'll talk uh, about some of the key points of the game there. Uh, of course, a sack update and uh, that E-word. We're going to talk about that E-word a little bit. Uh, as Scott Satterfield picks up another victory against a ranked opponent. Um, say what you will about NC State having backup quarterbacks, but a ranked opponent is a ranked opponent. It's a win under the, the belt for Scott Satterfield there. Uh, and then, of course, everything that you need to know about Kentucky. We'll dive into that uh, throughout the entirety of the episode. But, guys, I want to start with this. Uh, for the first time... In show history, okay, we've we've done uh, 104 or five shows now. We've been recording this show since the week of Thanksgiving. In fact, on this very day, State of Louisville turns two years old. From the Pink Seats podcast, an original podcast on the network, uh, also turning two years old. So we've been doing this show, show now for essentially three football seasons. And this is the first time that Louisville football has been ranked in the college football playoff rankings. How about that? I, that deserves a round of applause here on the show tonight. Feels good. To Scott Satterfield and his staff, and we're just getting started. I really think that the cards are headed on an upward trajectory. Um, a lot to be excited about in the future, but also in the present because they have um, just continued to win games and done so behind one of the best defenses from a turnover and, and sack really havoc uh, metric, one of the best in the country, and an offense that has just done enough week in and week out. Each week it's been a different guy kind of carrying the load for Louisville. Um, and they've done enough to win football games, but they've definitely got a challenge on their hands. So let's start with NC State. Um, let's just talk about that game in general. Obviously, for Louisville, uh, they pick up the win 25 to 10. Uh, no Malik Cunningham in that one. The first game of the season that he has not started, uh, or I should say, the second, second. Game that not started. Uh, Brock Doman now 2 and 0 as a starter for Louisville football. But the hero of this game is Jawar Jordan. Um, overall, 16 carries, 105 yards. He had the 99-yard kickoff return. And, fellas, this is another thing I'm really upset about. It's the first touchdown of the season I've missed in live action. The beer <laughs> line's got me for once. All season, it's been one of you two that's missed the touchdowns. This time it was me. I missed the kickoff return. Um, I did see the video replay. Had no idea at the time it was a kickoff return. I thought it was just like a really long run. Uh, but Jawar Jordan, just incredible. And then that, the- you know, that's what you get for sitting up there in those nice fancy seats. And me and Pressler down there with us, common folk. And yeah, you know, we're enjoying the game in in the cold and frigid. And I believe you had AC to, or heating to go to Jacob, right? I did, but we did oh, sit, we oh. did sit outside for we had heaters in our section. I, I I was bougie for one week. Okay, give me a little bit of grace. Uh, and, and to, to be quite honest, it's Presley's fault. Like if we want to point fingers here of whose fault it is, it's definitely Presley. Cause he gave me the seats or else I would have been sitting with you all. Uh, but we did sit outside. Okay. Contrary to belief. We did not make the trek down to where you were and miss me with the commoners. You're in like the eighth row of the stadium <laughs> out of here with the commoners bullshit. And that's Presley, not my said, fault. You act like I bought an eighth row ticket. Show up to the games. 
I right. No, you did. And you showed up where the seats were available, and that's what I did as well. So show, show, show up to the games, people. I got free meatballs, free nachos, really good beer, and a and a great uh a great atmosphere, both inside and outside. Uh we're great in the PNC club. Um, but Louisville's defense, aside from Jarvis Brownlee, played really well in this game. Uh, and we're gonna get into all of that with Vince's game notes right now. Let's go ahead and dive into that, Vince. <laughs> It's time to get down to brass tacks. It's Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lacoco. Because I want to talk specifics on this game. It was one that was, you know, obviously the, the score is a close game, a 15-point game. It doesn't really tell the story up until the touchdown that there at the end of the, whenever that was uh, from Jawar Jordan. It was a fairly close game throughout, whether it be three or seven points. Uh, but if you kind of had to summarize this game, it'd be kind of tricky to really to do so. It was just a mucked up game where both teams really struggled to kind of do much of anything offensively, uh, but let but yet Louisville prevails and they did so behind a, a really strong running offense. So Vince, let, I hand it over to you now for, for Vince's game notes this week. Uh, tell us what you saw on the film and how Louisville pulled out the victory there. Uh, like I mean, like you said, Jacob, I kind of thought it was a boring game. Like right before we were recording this, I was telling Presley, like I just finished up watching the game uh and that's why i was kind of like oh yeah of course i want to record early I, I just watched it i it was boring it was messy it was ugly uh it was really controlled by the defense i thought they had a great first half uh and then in the second half in the third quarter it seemed like we were getting beat on crossing routes and uh and zone coverage a lot which has seemed to be more of an achilles heel for this defense uh the entire year picking on jarvis brownley i think i mean he's a lot more comfortable playing man coverage and even in man coverage, our, our uh, a lot of times our corners uh, in that third quarter in particular are getting beat across their face, and all of a sudden we're playing catch-up. Uh, there's a play I think of where uh, I think NC State, I don't know if they scored or if they got three points on it, but it was a big play for them, the wheel route, if you guys remember that. Yes. That, yes. that route, no, not the wheel route. It was a deep crossing route, I think, mm, okay. uh, on the sideline, the one where we almost picked it off, right? And that that play should have been an interception, and the reason is is because I mean we're trailing the guy, so I mean, and he reached with the wrong hand. They always teach you to reach with the inside hand on that. You never want to reach with the outside hand because, I mean, you just don't have the length to go get that ball. Uh, I thought Yasir obviously had you know a defensive player, ACC defensive player of the year, uh, caliber game. He's just. He's a man amongst boys out there, and a lot of times he's beating guys with just pure effort. I mean, he had one uh, chase down sack where, I mean, he didn't do anything crazy with his move. It wasn't anything uh, special. It was just straight effort, uh, a dip and a rip, and, you know, he ran the guy down. So kudos to him. Very disappointed. Monty dripped, uh, dropped an interception, and I, I'm sure – you know, you guys know Monty was probably uh, kicking himself for that one, still kicking himself for that one. Uh, D-line played great. I thought, uh, you know, as long as they're commanding and uh, setting their gaps right, allowing the linebackers to play off of them, then, you know, they'll suddenly be able to make more plays because running backs are just going to have nowhere to go. We'll go ahead and go on to offense. You know, I got I to gotta mention Isaac's three blocks, guys. Isaac had three. One fullback assist, and then two of them he sent me at, right after the game, y'all. <laughs> like, I love that, man. Like, I was in, in the Uber, and he, he texted me these two plays 
which I mean, kudos to Luke and those guys in the video for getting the damn film up that quick, to be honest with you. But uh, Isaac <laughs> texted me when one of them, he's dragging his nuts across the dude's head. Dude, which it's, my favorite, it's my favorite block of the year. I know. Exactly oh, did he send that one to you? Is it on the Gerard Jordan run? Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, yes. I, yes. Yeah. The touchdown run. Isaac yeah. has this block where he initially blocked. No, I put it in the show notes. It's my favorite play of the entire game. And he also had two really, he had a whiff, well, it wasn't really a whiff, but on the kickoff return, he had two blocks where he kind of whiffed, but did just enough to keep the trailer from catching up to Jawar. But on the particular play you're talking about, he he takes his guy to the ground and then just like slams him back down twice and then gets <laughs> up nuts right in the Duke's face and walks away like it was nothing. He's almost, he's really fortunate he did not get a penalty on that because nah, it was nah, quite excessive. That's, that's all good. It, it was great. Good. It was great. <laughs> I loved it. It's just, I wrote on the show notes. Look, if you guys look at it right now, it literally said Isaac Martin on the Jawar Jordan touchdown. Just a dude being a dude. Dude being a dude. Yeah. I mean, that's the true definition of that play. I mean, it was awesome to see our guy, you know, come out of his shoes on uh, a couple blocks. You know, that's what he does best. Touchdowns are cute and all, but fullbacks like to do the dirty work and, you know, put the hammer on people. So seeing him get, you know, the fullback assist and the two other just phenomenal pancake of blocks. Uh, that was nice to see. And- I think this year, and whatever we end up renaming the Freakies post-Gunner Brewer, we're going to have a new award introduced called the Isaac Martin Award. And it's essentially just going to be the guy each year who doesn't get the touchdown but does enough on the play to make the touchdown happen. Uh, and not only that, but then celebrates his his teammates' win as if it was his own. That is the definition of the Isaac Martin Award right there because that's what that man does week in and week out. 100%. And you mentioned that uh... – that guy, the Isaac Martin Award, what your definition is. There was another block on that kickoff return. Uh, you guys, we've been talking about Riger all year, and I see this block, and I'm like, man, that's the block that sprung it that got him to score the touchdown. And it was number 43. And when you look at the roster, number 43 is Jack Riger. I don't know if that's still that's him. I know he was injured yeah. for a period, but – I mean, can you guys confirm that at all? Have you all seen that? That uh, so I tried to rewatch that play and understand because I saw some some just some chatter online about that particular play being set up by Isaac Martin, and then I watched it. I'm like, yeah, Isaac definitely didn't set that play up. Uh, and I see the other guy come in and kind of make a play. I couldn't tell if it was Lipson. I told you all those guys, 41, 43, 44, it wasn't 45. Lipson. It wasn't all the Lipson. same person to me. I can tell it wasn't Lipson by how he runs. Yeah, and then <laughs> there's there's a block. It's hard to tell the numbers. But then somebody also just laid out somebody on what could have well, been a cutback block. <laughs> Thankfully, well, it wasn't. Well, NC, NC State on that play, that's just textbook what not to do on a kickoff return. Yeah. I mean, have the entire uh, kickoff team a bunch up, right, stack up behind each other. It, it makes no sense. Whenever you're teaching uh, teaching punt, you want everything to fan out. Like just picture your hands spreading out. And uh, on kickoff, kickoff and kickoff return, everybody has lanes that they have to stay in. You stay in your lane. You'll hear that constantly whenever you're on kickoff. And uh, essentially that's to cause things like that not to happen. Stacking on top of each other, uh, guys running into each other. You saw a couple of NC State guys do that. Uh, it's, it's just textbook. I'm sure all 11 – well, 10, even 11, honestly, the kicker got his ass whooped too on that play. Uh, so I'm sure all 11 had a rough Sunday uh, ass ripping from their coach that day. Uh, T. Huddy, guys, I, whenever he catches the ball, y'all, y'all probably have noticed this as well. He's looking to score every single time he touches the ball. And uh, the announcers even highlighted it, his yards after catch and how well he does uh, just obviously catching the ball. His catch radius has been out of this world this year. But uh, – 
whenever he does do that, I mean, it, catching the ball is one thing, but going and making a football move and a football play and gaining extra yards is how you get drafted and how you play in the NFL. He might not have that many touchdowns, but teams will love the fact that he is catching everything. I mean, could you guys imagine just Lamar right now who just wants a receiver to catch something? I mean, he's just giving them stuff. He, he would probably love to have a guy like T. Huddy on his team who is just a consistent pass catcher. He gets open, catches the ball. He's going to get yards for you. He might not win those vertical routes. But even on his vertical routes, he sells his verts so well uh, on his runs, guys, that, like, it springs blocks, like the Jawar Jordan long run that he had. Uh, that play was set up by a T. Huddy block because T. Huddy was, I'm vertical, I'm vertical, I'm vertical. And then when he's on that DB's toes, it's I'm blocking now. And uh, it was a great play. Both those plays, I know those kind of blended together right there, but it was just a great game by him overall and a, a hell of a way to go out on senior days with that slow start he had. Yeah, here's the other thing, though. He's a little slow. Like, the guy makes catches, and he is he is as accurate as he can be. Like, he's the guy in baseball. Here's a baseball analogy for you, right? He's going to get a hit every time. It may not always be a home run, but he's going to get you a single, a double. But when he does get home runs, you're like, wow, that, you know, you're amazed by it. Sanu. <laughs> he, he is, but he's <laughs> like, really slow. Who wins Mahalo in the race? Sanu's slow, big receiver, awesome catch radius. But uh, who yeah. wins in a foot race between Jalen Mitchell and Tyler Hudson, in your opinion? Tyler Hudson. You think so? Oh, I don't oh, know. I feel like if you put sure. those those two side by side and a clip of Jalen Mitchell against Wake Forest in 2019 or 2020, whenever it was, and then you put Tyler Hudson from the other night trying to outrun the defenders after he caught that that slant route and, and shed the defender, they're going to be identical in speed, dude. Poor, I, poor he looked like he poor, was moving in, in, in sand. It was funny to watch. Poor, poor Jalen, that play sticks with him just like Chucky. I mean, we're like – Two years removed from that now, and we're still like, man, I don't know about his speed. Like, the guy hasn't squatted and gotten faster. <laughs> what else? Anything else from that game that stood out to you? Because there were uh, just – uh, The screenplay – I mean, the screenplay was awesome. Uh, that's a typical uh, – the screen pass with uh, Tamar Sean, that was a long play. Uh, it was great traditionally on those rollouts, sprint out passes to the right. A lot of times, Marshawn has that backside uh, – defensive end which they like to call a smack block uh and you know he in a way high school harried his ass and just slipped him on the way out and uh you know that guy whiffed him and marshawn leaked out perfectly and uh was able to get the yards wish he could have got in but uh still was freaking awesome uh in red zone guys my big complaint with this offense and then i'll be done is i wish we could put the ball in more in the in the red zone we can be with how creative we are with our motions and things like that. We can set up so many different things uh, that that could lead to a lot more success. And it seems like it, we need to just space things out a little bit more in the red zone. Everything reverts back to the inside zone and the running. And uh, sometimes Brock wasn't making the best decisions in that, in that situation. Funny enough, I would like Brock Doman to pull the ball a little bit more in some of those. Uh, never really thought I'd be saying that, but hell here I am saying it. Uh, other than that, guys, uh, solid game. I love the fact that we have seven wins and we're ranked freaking number 25 now. Uh, shoot, after Boston College, I didn't know where this team was going to go. So I'm very happy with how they responded and looking forward to seeing how they compete against Kentucky. You have to show up for this game. This is, I mean, this is the big one. 
This is the big one, but um, one other thing I want to kind of touch on with NC State was the that one thing I didn't catch in real time in terms of getting an understanding of what happened in Presley events. You all may have have a better idea is what happened with Jack Chambers. He played one drive, a drive and a half. I'm not exactly sure how long that lasted before they uh, moved to Ben Finley, but um, it seemed like you know early on. Well, you know, I, I actually, I shouldn't say it seemed like early on Louisville was having trouble getting pressure. They got pressure whenever they wanted, but it seemed like as the game went on that Ben Finley was able to get more comfortable than, than we've seen anyone from an NC state perspective uh, since maybe, you know, Morris and, and one of those games early on where they got a victory when he was the starter uh, Finley was able to get comfortable in the second half. I mean, he made, he made some really impressive throws 201 yards um and you know he had the the uh the big play on the the throwback i i just thought um louisville secondary wise like you said vince from a zone perspective they gave up a lot um and I, that's a long-winded way of getting back to my question what happened how did the how did the quarterback switch happen i have it, no idea i don't know how the quarterback switch happened but you mentioned us uh in the pressure and things i i saw a lot of guys running past uh the tackle a lot and that's kind of what sprung these longer NC State drives. We would have guys shut down in the backfield, even on run plays uh, and sometimes on pass plays, and guys would just kind of get out. So I would not I would like for them to come a little bit more under control, get skinny through that gap and come under control to make a play. Uh, who knows? I mean, Finley, I mean, shit, didn't his brother or dad or whoever. His brother, I mean, yeah, Ryan Yeah, Finley played in the league. Yeah. So, I mean, he's yeah. got a little bit of – Pretty good quarterback in his mound, so I guess he yeah. can settle down. I mean, I look mean, for I'm, it was impressive quarterback. Yeah, hell, I mean, for a four string guy, what the hell you got to lose? Go out there and let it sling. Yeah, and they did that. They had a good game plan. And Preston, what about you? Had a statistic on? Uh, I think you tweeted it from State of Louisville um, in terms of Louisville not missing tackles in this game and how important that was to uh, the overall victory because they did allow completions. They did allow. Um, Houston and the runners there, Allen to get going. Now, I mean, they only had 77 yards, but they ran the ball 31 times, which is a lot of tackling that you have to do when someone's running the ball 31 times. They wrapped up and made plays like they, they, most games, they have a, you know, a broken tackle here, a broken tackle there, uh, that makes the game all the difference. But from your eyes, you know, the, the statistics show, it seems like at least that they did their job of when they got there, they, they brought the, the ball carrier down. Yeah. I mean, they, they, I believe the statistic was they hadn't allowed less than 10. They hadn't had less than 10 missed tackles on the season. They only had three against NC state. So that's, uh, that's really solid. I think that that stat came from, from PFF. So um, I, I think kind of the game plan on the defense was to keep everything in front of them, which is very just Scott Siderfield esque as it is. Like, I think that's, I think that's Scott Siderfield and Brian Brown's MO is that they like to keep things in front of them. And the, the one play that they did not was the, the play that, uh, NC State scored a touchdown. So uh, when when they were able to when they they were able to just kind of not allow them to to reel off those big plays, uh, I, I think that ultimately led to success for U of L. Um, and then as as we kind of saw, and we'll get into this about you know previewing the Kentucky game too. Um, as we'd seen in the past, it was really apparent that that Louisville just wanted to key on getting NC State into like third and seven or more. Once they got them in second and long or third and long, like that's when they send the pass rush. And that's when you get to kind of see the strength of this defense. Uh, there's not, I don't think that there's a team in the country that wants to be, you know, that would find any sort of success in third and seven plus 
against Louisville. I think that, that they're that good of a pass rush. Um, so, and it's kind of a numbers game too, right? Once they get, once they get offenses to spread out and, and Louisville can kind of, you know, disguise what they're doing on defense. Uh, I think that that's what hurts teams uh, because, you know, if you only have five down linemen and everybody else is either in the backfield or spread out wide, uh, all of a sudden Louisville puts seven guys up on the line, you know, four, four are going and three are dropping back or three are going and four are dropping back or whatever the case might be. And it's just a guessing game uh, for the opposing offensive line. You don't know what angle they're going to come from. You don't know if they're going to, you know, kind of act like they're going towards like the A or B gap and then kind of switch. You don't know if they're going to try to take a guy that they're not lined up against. There are so many different ways that we'll look and attack a defense in an obvious passing situation. Uh, and I think you saw that against NC State. That's why the goal ultimately was to keep uh, everything in front of them on, on the early downs. And then uh, with the weather, with the wind, everything else, it was really easy to, as soon as there was an incompletion, just kind of tee off uh, on, on NC State. Um, yeah, and then kind of getting into the just a little bit the the Ben Finley thing. I think we kind of heard some whispers going into the game because uh, that's was you know, I don't think we're doing right and wrong this week. Uh, that's where I was very right was Jacob. I think when you hopped off, I I kind of went into the Ben Finley stuff and said I thought that they were probably going to give him a shot because because the other guy was so bad. Yeah. And, and essentially, what happened was you know Chambers they didn't trust to throw the ball at all. And I know you're up there in your, in your cushy box, but but down down by the field you could feel that like padded seats cushy cushy yeah your cushy seats with the with the heaters but it was yeah, cold and it was balls. a cold wind mm-hmm. it was like a consistent 10 to 15 mile no, wind and Dude, that you that, act like i wasn't outside you gotta stop with this you're giving people the wrong idea okay, of how okay. i i was outside <laughs> the entire game okay just like you i Under just so happened to have a jacob didn't even have a big coat head. on y'all that's how warm he was do shorts and t-shirt right isn't that how you came to the game <laughs> yeah right yeah, he looks no, like I he just came back from the maui invitational right, right um not, no no I, I think that jack chambers doesn't throw a good enough ball it kind of reminds me of malik cunningham's freshman year when you were like, I don't know if we trust this dude to throw it past more than 10 yards. Um, and that that's kind of what Jack Chambers reminded me of was he just threw a really weak ball. And if you know, like if you play any sport, you know, if you throw, if you shoot a basketball outside or try to hit a golf ball outside or a baseball or whatever, you have to make solid contact. You have to put a lot behind, uh, behind throws. And he's, he's not able to do that. So the wind was just eating it up and they knew that Louisville's defense was going to just absolutely destroy that dude if they got him in the passing downs. Um, yeah. So, so he was, he was doing well running the ball, but I mean, once Louisville kind of keyed in on like, okay, they're literally not going to run the ball if, or throw the ball if Chambers is in, then he was pretty much rendered useless. So I think that's, that's why that, why he came out and why, why Ben Finley kind of took over ultimately. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, it's really a storyline that I think we'll talk more about after the season as we kind of start to break things down the way that we do looking at the offense and the defense. But it's shocking just how bad Louisville's passing offense has been from a production standpoint. They've been efficient, right? I mean, we've seen each week quarterbacks completing. I think Louisville, both of their quarterbacks um, that have played this year, Brock Tillman and and, – uh, and Malik are both throwing over 50% completions. Uh, Malik's at 62.7 and Brock's at 51. But the passing offense from a volume standpoint, they only have 11 touchdowns on the year. Uh, they've only they've only thrown for 100 and uh, or they, they've thrown under 200 yards this season six times. This is the most um, 
average passing offense under Scott Satterfield, and look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing. Imagine if you put any other quarterback from his his past, Taylor Lamb, uh, you put uh, uh, Zach Thomas. You can even put whatever quarterback across the country you, you want to plug in there. You can put Chase Bryce in there right now from App State, and their passing offense would would probably make this team more like nine probably wins. Win one more games. Yeah, more games. For, sure. for sure. Yeah, At it, least it's really one. interesting. It, but it tells the story of how far Satterfield has come from his App State days to where he can – not at this level, I think we all agree. You can't just be a run offense. Like you've got to be able to throw the football and this team does not throw the football. Well, like they do it enough to where, you know, obviously Tyler Hudson's going to finish with a thousand yards, but that's their passing offense. That's it. It's Tyler Hudson. And every once in a while you hit Marshawn on a big play, you get Amari Huggins, Bruce, and they're, they're still winning football games. Like it's just because they cannot be stopped in what they're doing right now. They're executing at such a high level taking and they're they're kicking a lot of field goals okay that does go into the situation here but overall they are playing at a disadvantage because their <laughs> passing offense is just not good enough to be a top offense in the ACC and yet they're still winning they're at seven games maybe going for eight this weekend you're talking about maybe nine wins on the season when it's all said and done with an offense that might throw 15 touchdowns on the year that to me is just screaming Scott Satterfield being in his bag of play calling and taking advantage of what he's got to take advantage of and just squeezing out the production as he can. 100%. Uh, I mean, Jacob, you go, if you take it back to his App State days, and uh, I mean, I only know like one App State wide receiver because he was uh, the guy that they always talked about, Thomas Hennigan. Uh, they had him, and then they always had another dude. I think his name was Corey, Corey Sutton uh, was his name. Uh, usually Sat has like two to three receivers, which is, you know, traditionally what a football team has that you can go to. And for for whatever reason, I mean, I guess this year the other guys just might not be getting open or uh, maybe our quarterbacks are just, you know, sticking with this one read and then possibly having to run and we're doing scramble drill or what. But uh, I'm anxious to see what uh, Sat can do with a guy like Pierce Clarkson whenever he's in or Caleb Johnson if he is uh, ready and able to play next year. Somebody that's yeah. got a little bit – well, both – I'd say both Pierce at this level, at the level he's at right now, and Caleb probably now both have better footwork fundamentals than Malik, and they're both just more athletic and probably have better arm strength than Brock. So I'm anxious to see really what our offense can like open up to with two guys like that. And, and it's going to be, you know, Malik Cunningham is going to, it seems like has much more of a chance to play against Kentucky this week. And we'll get into that here in a bit. Um, but you're going to have to pass the ball in some capacity against Kentucky. And I'm going to go ahead and call it right now. I think we're going to see both quarterbacks this weekend. I think, I think Brock Doman has played well enough to, to earn some playing some playing time, dude, his connection with Tyler Hudson is strong. Like you can just tell it's strong. Uh, and I think you're going to see both of them, but there's a couple of things I want to call out um, specifically with the offense. And it's um, one Scott Satterfield is going to have an offense without a thousand yard rusher for the first time since, uh, since app state went up to the FBS level, they have had a thousand yard rusher every single season um underneath his tutelage they've always or a thousand yard rusher yeah i don't know if that's what i said or receiver Who, who's but, the closest uh right now the leading rusher on the team is malik cunningham him and jawar jordan are uh about 10 yards apart both with 561 for malik and 551 for wow. jawar um and that that is really interesting again another one of those things the numbers 
have shown that Scott Satterfield has always had a thousand yard rusher. He's always had a certain level of passing, especially at Louisville of being able to get the ball downfield. They flipped the script this year. They are much more balanced across the board. You're getting production from so many more guys than what you got over the first three years of his tenure. And it's really showing off. Uh, but the second thing that I want to point out here is who was on the field on Saturday and who was not on the field on Saturday, who was honored as a senior on Saturday and who was not honored as a senior on Saturday. Those two topics are two things that I think we need to just quickly touch on. First of all, we did not see Trevion Cooley and we did not see Jalen Mitchell on Saturday. Neither are on the roster anymore at this point. Keith Wynn tweeted that out, I think, on Tuesday. Um there's no news of them entering the portal, but it's pretty clear that they are both they have both left the team. Maurice Turner had uh, plenty of carries on Saturday. Uh, he had 15. Jawar Jordan had 16. Uh, Tyon Evans did uh, have two two carries, but it was clear he was banged up. So the running back situation there, we got a glimpse of the future of the running back uh, room sans Tyon Evans. And, and in my opinion, too, Jacob, I feel like that was bound to happen. You know, what we yeah, start we off, what we start off with Tyon, Jawar, Cooley, Jalen, uh, that's five guys right there. I mean, you can't, you can barely split the carries up between two guys, especially whenever you have Lee Cunningham on your team, who's a third running threat. Yeah. I mean, you have two running threats on the field at all times, two true running threats. So, I mean, I, I saw that coming. It, I don't yeah, know. We talked I about mean, it cannibalism yeah. of the running back room at the beginning of the season. Had, remember, yeah, we asked had that to. question. Who I think it was uh, Biscuit that came on when we did the running back preview of whose carries are going to eventually get negated by the room being so deep. And, um, on the season, Malik Cunningham's carried the ball 109 yards, or excuse me, 109 times. He's missed two games. Uh, that's a pretty telling number. Jawar Jordan leads the team in carries 111. And then Tyon Evans, who's missed several games with injury, has 83. And then it's a huge drop down from there to Trevion Cooley, who uh, has only played in a handful of games at 59. And then an even bigger drop down to Maurice Turner at 27. Jalen Mitchell only had 10 carries on the season. Um, so that's the other thing. And then the seniors who were honored, um, we talked about, you know, the guys like Marshawn and Isaac and Malik and Yasir and Caleb uh, and a lot of those guys who have been here for five, six years. But a couple of guys who were not honored, who at, at this point kind of seem to indicate that they're coming back or could have the option of coming back. One of which is Jermaine Lole, the, the nose tackle, who was uh, a big, big transfer, one of the biggest transfers in the offseason. Um, he was not honored and he was, uh, I think, in his fifth year this year. He's had several injury seasons. Seems like he could come back. Uh, D. Wiggins, also not honored on Saturday. Uh, and that was a, a guy who came in with some hype as a wide receiver, suffered a toe injury out for the year. Uh, he is a four-year senior, so he does have that fifth-year option with the COVID year to come back. Seems like he may be potentially, you know, at least interested in doing that. And then I don't know the official listing of what Tyon Evans is on the roster. I know he was a JUCO transfer who had three three years to play three years that usually you get three to play two when you're a Juco guy. Uh, but I believe Tyon Evans can come back next season was not honored on Saturday as a senior. Um, and, and obviously we'll see what happens with the NFL draft, but uh, it, that's, that's three p pretty big guys who come back next year. You need that veteran leadership because Louisville is losing so many players. Did, this is the most Tyon, players they've said left uh, lost in a long time. Did Tyon do one year at Juco? Uh, I think he did two years at JUCO and then was at Tennessee for a year. For a year. Which is, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, so I mean, he can go if he wants to. I thought he, yeah, I, I could have swore he had had to come back this year. 
Yeah, uh, but not, then I'm again, sure that's how. how I, then again, I didn't know he went to junior college either. Yeah, the so. semantics of how each class is breaking down. I've lost track of all. That. Oh, co- been, especially since COVID, dude. I mean, yeah, the COVID like, year, it's just like, oh, he he's played five years, but here he is, he's back because of COVID. Like that's just the way it's going. Um, <laughs> but those are just a couple of things that came out of senior day that I, I thought were notable. Um, and overall, it, it, big win for Louisville. Scott Satterfield is inching closer to that extension. Um, I've seen much more conversation about that topic. He's got two years left on his contract uh, going into next season. I think it, if they do give him an extension, if I'm if I'm Josh Hurd, my extension is likely a two-year deal um, with probably an, an increase in pay, maybe you know a, a 50% increase in pay, maybe even more. I mean, I would give Scott Satterfield, maybe not 50%, maybe at least a 25% pay increase. I, I'd give him the Mel Tucker treatment, just go all in 10 years. Yeah, 10 years, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or you could go the, the Kenny Payne route and just give him a ten million dollar buyout for no reason, just because you want to. That that the, all the <laughs> options are on the table at this point in terms of an extension. Wouldn't you so, do that? I mean, come on now. I ten mean, years is a long time for anything. Do you know how much changes in ten years? Like, who yeah. is Louisville's coach ten years ago today? It's Charlie Strong. Charlie Strong. Uh, yeah, imagine giving I mean, him a ten year deal. Well, look at look at what happened to the Cincinnati Reds with Joey Votto. They gave yeah. him, they gave him a ten year deal, and that's completely tanked their franchise. But everybody loved Votto. Well, I mean, everybody does. Love <laughs> everybody loves. Well, I should say everybody loves that. But you know, people love yeah, Sat well, around the program and want him back. But I don't think that they're going to give him a ten-year deal. That is, I know. I, you're one hundred percent right. More get a ten-year like deal. I think he yeah. did get a ten-year deal. How's that working mm-hmm. out? They got like a sixty-five million dollar buyout, and you're going to have a bunch of oil yeah. guys like some Fox. of the most we'll cringeworthy just... fans of all time. Um, well, did, say, you see, did you see Texas A&M last last week? They no. staged a walkout at halftime. The players, up, you should look up Texas AM's stadium after halftime. They had, I mean, I'm talking there, maybe a hundred fans there. They had the number one recruiting class in the country last year. Yeah, yeah. The, How the, the mighty fans, fall. The fans are not happy. I mean, you think fans were unhappy when Louisville was two and three? Holy cow. Here's the other funny thing from the week, and then we'll we'll cut to a break here uh, and come back on the other side and talk about Kentucky. But ha- my favorite thing all week. All week, literally my favorite thing. It's been a pretty shitty week for Louisville sports, minus the win against um, NC State. But Scott Satterfield at his weekly press conference is asked by somebody what advice he has for Kenny Payne. Like, is that not the most, like, ironic? If you had told me that that was going to be a question seven weeks ago, I would have laughed in your face. Because Why would you ask that to him? I don't know. I thought it was a funny question and he had a great answer. You know, he, he talked about how, when he was at app, they, you know, when they moved up, they started, they went four and eight and then lost the next four games, I think of the next year. And then only lost two or three games over the course of a four year period, which, you know, Kenny Payne obviously could do that, but just the, the irony and where we were six weeks ago to where we are today to Scott Satterfield being asked, Hey, what advice do you have for Kenny Payne? Just want, to, we want to know, you know, want to know another one that's, that's pretty good. Like that's just very timely for this rivalry. I don't know if you guys saw this actually went back and listened because I thought it was very funny. Um, Mark Stoops takes callers on his show and they do a full like 58 minutes with Mark Stoops. So it's not like, you know, the, the Satterfield radio shows like five minutes and then a six minute commercial and then five minutes, you know what I'm saying? Um, and they do it like in a studio. And so they let coaches, they let people call and talk to the coach. And one guy called in uh, and he was asking why he said they, he said he noticed that they ran the ball 10 of 11 times on first down, but they only gained more than five yards three times. And he said, you know, just, uh, just giving you a heads up. That might not be the best strategy. <laughs> like he just like, straight up said that to the coach. 
And then another guy called in a few minutes later and asked, what, what's it like to have such a, such a uh, cushy job that you can get a $9 million raise for mediocrity? Uh, amazing. Just straight up, amazing. Straight Just up amazing. asked that exact question to the coach. And Stoops, I mean, he, in, to his defense, he handled it very well. He answered well. it. He answered yeah. it, yeah. yeah. What, what do you, can you paraphrase the response for me? Uh, essentially, you know, I understand that the expectations are high. Uh, and, you know, I, I, the reason I signed the contract was because I planned uh, to be with Kentucky a long time. And, and uh, I understand that we have to continue to get better or something like that. So, yeah. Well, before we move on to talking about Kentucky a little bit more in depth, I, I would be remiss if we didn't have our weekly sack update. Jacob's sack update. It's my segment. It's the only thing in the show that I look forward to each week. Two and a half sacks for Yasir Abdullah, ladies and gentlemen. On a five sack week for Louisville against NC State, half of them from Yasir Abdullah. And he was close to having a couple more. Three tackles for loss overall. Uh, followed up from him, you've got Monty Montgomery with one, Ashton Gelati with one, Destel gets a, a half a sack. I always, I'd be so pissed off if I left the game with a half a sack. It'd be like scoring a half of a free throw, getting a half point, like just a brutal stati- statistic that you don't want on your end. But um, at that point, we get to, I believe, 41 overall sacks for Louisville on the year. They are ranked, let's see here, they are first on the year, 3.73 sacks per game. Yasir Abdullah now leads the way with eight sacks. And, and ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what you see from the ACC Network account, the ACC Football account, from Eric McLean, good friend of the show, any ACC personality. If you see a list without Yasir Abdullah as the leading candidate for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, you need to call 911 on that person because they are in trouble. They are in trouble. On massive drugs. Definitely need to be put into rehab. Correct. Mental I mean, institutes. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know that's what Brian Brown and Coach Sat wanted to say on the stand right there when they were asked that question. So, I mean, we'll, we'll go ahead and say it for them that, that they were 100% on drugs, need to be institutionalized. 53 tackles, eight sacks, eight additional quarterback hurries uh, or hits, 14 tackles for loss, four pass deflections, two interceptions, really should be three, uh, three forced fumbles. I mean, what has this guy not done? And to consider how slow of a start he had, this guy could easily have 13 or 14 sacks had he not been, uh, from what his dad said on Twitter, just really, you know, chasing and really being over-aggressive, more so than just playing the Yasir Abdullah football. He's going to likely be a fourth, third, fifth round draft pick because of the fact that he's six foot one. What position is he? He's not a four, three defensive end, most likely three, four. He's a little bit small, but I'm telling you what, this guy has got an NFL football career ahead of him. Uh, He is impressive in everything he does. And then overall, just the, the, just how far this defensive line has come. Um, Yaya Diaby, I know he's really kind of fallen off production wise, but you talk about him leading the way for almost the majority of the year with five and a half sacks, but you have Monty at four and a half sacks, Momo at three and a half sacks, uh, Destel at two and a half. Ashton has five. This group has just been freaking getting after it, man. And it is just such a fun thing to watch. And I hope on Saturday, this is the perfect way to end this segment and, and move over to Kentucky, but I hope they just freaking destroy Will Levis. Uh, I don't want them chasing like they did against Boston College where you know an offensive line is bad and you can get to the quarterback and then you just overdo it. But 
man, I hope they hit Will Levis under his chin and pop his helmet off at one point. Just one good under-the-chin hit is what I'm looking for on Saturday. We'll be right back on the other side to talk about Kentucky. Big rivalry weekend. Uh, It's a big game for Scott Satterfield uh, and why I think there's one more thing he has left to do before he gets that extension. Before we go to the break, Kern's Corner, good partners of the show here. We hope that you'll support them. Visit their location over in the Highlands, the Chile this time of year. There's nothing better. There's nothing better to watch football, basketball inside, some horse racing, college football, college basketball, NBA, NFL, all of that right now. World Cup even with with a nice cup of chili and some cold beer. Uh, Check out Kern's Corner uh, over there in the Highlands uh, and tell them to stay to Louisville Central. We'll be right back on the other side to talk about Louisville kicking Kentucky's ass. Kentucky time. Yeah, I feel comfortable. I feel confident in this game. I'm probably not sure if I'm going to pick Louisville yet, but I think they're going to win. But it's just more of I have to see it before I can pick it type of deal. Um, But look, when you look at the numbers of this game, Kentucky is, by all accounts, a very solid football team, right? They just held Georgia to 16 points. Uh, They've they've beat some big teams on the year, a couple of ranked SEC teams, uh, including Florida, Mississippi State. They battled with Ole Miss early on. Um, this team, it's not what they expected to be. They're six and five. Most people pick nine, eight wins for them, 10 wins. Ten, even. Ten. They lost to Vanderbilt, ten. which is like Kansas beating Texas when Charlie Strong was there. It's one of those Cardinals into the program that you just don't do. Um, but at the same time, six wins for Kentucky is above the standard. Like it's above what they've ever done historically. It's not what they expect, but it's still, they come in here with a chance to get to seven, get to eight in a bowl game. They're, 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 they're going to come in here hungry Saturday, or where I guess we're going to go there, but they're going to come out hungry. And and what I can tell you they're going to do, fellas, and Vince, I, I want to come to you on this one here in a second, but they're going to come out looking to start fights, um, trying to talk smack. We saw it in 20, 2017 with Lamar when they threw the trash can, you know, fighting in the end zone with the safety. We saw it when they sent the, the red shirt players out in 2014 uh, to fight with Louisville's guys out on the field. Every year, there's a guy that is just overly aggressive. Somebody from Louisville retaliates. There's a penalty. That's going to be a big factor in this game. Um, but this is a, a game for Scott Satterfield. Got to have it. Got to flip the narrative on the rivalry. Um, everything else this year that Louisville fans have challenged him to recruit better, um, beat ranked teams, beat top 10 teams, stop running the football on first and second down all the time, switch it up, be sexy sat he's checked them off and this is the last thing. And this might be the most important thing left on the, on the docket for him to tackle um, because you had the L's down embarrassment a couple of years ago. Um, you obviously had the Lynn Bowden game. Will Levis ran just right down Louisville's throat, talked about how they weren't prepared or they didn't prepare to see that type of running attack. Louisville has got to control the line of scrimmage and, and fellas, Correct me if I'm wrong, but this seems like the year where you where you do that. This is the most susceptible Kentucky team we've seen in the center field era. Uh, I have to say, you know, one thing before we roll into that, Jacob, I, I don't know why they're so surprised losing to Vandy. Growing up my entire life, I remember going to UK Vandy games and seeing them lose to Vandy pretty consistently. So that's besides the fact. I, I mean, they're, they're a solid football team. 
solid football team. In my opinion, they play to their opponent a lot of times uh, in a game like South Carolina, where uh, I don't think they were prepared for a that well of a coach South Carolina football team. I don't think they were prepared for that uh, Beamer ball energy that is just surrounding that stadium right now. Uh, and even with Georgia, you saw it this past weekend, uh, whenever I did move over to where my buddy was sitting, who was also under a heated section, uh, <laughs> we, uh, why they had the game on the little TV screen and uh, I was peeking back and forth and you could definitely tell that, I mean, they were playing a little bit harder because they wanted it a little bit more. So I 100% expect them to come out swinging and swinging hard. That's what they've done every year in years past. Uh, if you shut down Rodriguez, in my opinion, that's, you know, that's the strong suit of their team. Uh, same thing with Levis's running game. It seems like he is a lot healthier uh, than he has been in weeks past, which is uh, good for him. Uh, bad for us, I assume. I uh, I, I just need them to shut his running game down. Uh, I, I'm tired of seeing the quarterback run for 100-plus yards on us. Uh, it shouldn't happen. The draw play in particular uh, is the one that sticks out in my head from last year that really just, you know, grinds my gears, and that's something I could definitely see happening. Uh, seeing Louisville being susceptible to with how many blitzes we do bring, uh, it might provide for a bad matchup for one of our linebackers in a one-on-one position. The, the thing about this Kentucky team, it, from an offensive standpoint at least, is they're they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. 107th in total offense, 107th in scoring offense, 82nd in passing offense, 85th in third down conversions from an offensive standpoint, 116th in the red zone, 125th in sacks allowed. Uh, they are not a good offensive team. Uh, and what they do is uh, something that historically has hurt Louisville. It's get the ball when they are at their best offensively. It's get the ball out quick. It's get the ball into the hands of guys like Barry and Brown, Tav- Tavion Robinson, uh, Dane Key, Jordan Dingle, the tight end. It's it's let these guys make the play more so than Will Levis make the play because of that offensive line and the issues that they have. Will Levis is very much an NFL quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got the athleticism. But this year, what's different than what they've had in the years past from an offensive standpoint is they have no offensive line. They cannot block. I mean, I watched the Missouri game. Um, I watched a little bit of um, the Vanderbilt game. I watched a little bit of just, you know, just chunks and pieces this year of their, their games. And it's not as if they're incompetent as an offense. It's simply that just, he doesn't have the ability to set up and do what he wants to do. Now, Liam Cohen is gone. The offensive uh, play calling has, you know, it's kind of transitioned a little bit. I, I couldn't, I cannot remember the offensive coordinator's name, but overall this, this offense of what Kentucky is going to try to do is going to be built for what Louisville has done successfully throughout the year when they've battled teams um, who run the football for the most part Syracuse is kind of the early one that sticks out as struggling with quarterbacks who run the football but they have been able to take away running the football and make teams one-dimensional in terms of passing the ball now teams have had success in garbage time like we saw you know, NC State was a close game, but Ben Finley ends up with 215, and that's not indicative of how that game went, right? But what it allows is, like Presley talked about, in those third long plays, Louisville can just rush the passer. And they're quicker, they're faster, they're more athletic, they wreak more havoc. And offensively, this game is set up for Louisville's defense to just really take advantage of that. So I ran the numbers. Yes, Presley's number crunch. If you had to guess... So, you know, UK plays in the big, bad SEC, right? 
where do their opponents rank on average in ability to sack the quarterback? Probably really low, judging by SEC East standards. Yeah, so ranking, you know, on average between one and one thirty-five. Uh, the hundreds? No, no, not that. Many. You, you got to consider protect, <laughs> to protect the or to sack the quarterback or to sack protect the quarterback. quarterback. Well, so they've played Georgia, uh, they've played Mississippi State, they've played Tennessee, they played Ole Miss. Those are all programs historically that have pretty solid defensive lines. So I'm going to say that they're in the top 30 uh, overall, that those opponents rank yeah. somewhere in the top 30. 59th. Okay, not too far um, off. And, and I, when I went into the numbers, it's even more surprising um, how some of these really solid defenses actually don't get to the quarterback at all. Uh, Georgia is 89th in the country as far as sacks. Interesting. For. Uh, Missouri is 27th, on the other hand. Um, oh, excuse me, Mississippi is 27th, Missouri is 30th. Tennessee is 55th. Mississippi State 64th, Florida's 89th, Vandy and South Carolina are tied for 98th. Uh, Miami of Ohio is 41st. Had four um, sacks against Kentucky. Northern Illinois is 30th. Uh, and Youngstown had zero State, sacks against Kentucky. Youngstown State has accounted for 29 sacks on the season. Had two against um, Kentucky. They're they're an they're an FCS team. Um, and so yeah, if you go if you go down the list, Georgia and Mississippi State. 89th and 64th, uh, they both only got one sack against yep. Kentucky's defense or against Kentucky's offense. But on the other hand, uh, you know, Georgia only allowed six points. Uh, so something to consider there. Uh, Mississippi got to the quarterback three times. They're 27th in the country. Uh, Missouri got to the quarterback six times. They're 30th in the country. Uh, but then you go down the list, and that's where it becomes very interesting. Vandy, who's 98th in the country in sacking the quarterback, Got to got to Will got Will Levis on the ground four times, South Carolina six times, uh, and granted Will Levis wasn't in for much of, much of the South Carolina game. Yeah, that guy um, was. I, I don't carry on something. I don't remember his name. He's terrible. That guy got sacked on in just about every play. That the, uh, the boy from. Uh, oh, he's yeah, from Kentucky. The Lexington boy. Yeah, Somerset. Uh, Somerset. Yeah, there. You yeah, go. they came with the Somerset. Um, but then you look at at their four the four worst teams they played: Youngstown State. Is an FCS team. They got they got Will Levis on the ground four times. Miami of Ohio got him on the ground four times. Northern Illinois five. Uh, do you know how many sacks Louisville has had on the season? Forty-one. I just said that a few yeah. in the last and, segment. And, Forty-one and, sacks, averaging over just, three. I was giving you an opportunity to to uh, to you know flex your out muscles. my my sack my, my that, sack that, muscles. Yeah. That was a lot. Definitely just flex my sack muscles. There. Kentucky right. has allowed forty-one sacks on the season. Oh. How about so, that? That's that is poetry. So Kentucky is as bad as it gets at allowing their quarterbacks to get sacked, and Louisville is as good as it gets at sacking the quarterback. And I think that that is, I mean, above all else, the number one story in this game. Kentucky has thrived on running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, and then throwing up some bullshit to the receivers and bringing it down, which that yeah. scares me. That's yes. crazy because we very much will do that, that allows yeah. some, some bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Jar- Jarvis Jarvis Brownlee has been not what Louisville hoped he would be on the corner. Um, and, and they are going to try, but not to cut you off, but they are going to try whether it's uh, Robinson or Key. Or they, I can guarantee you, mark this or, down is that they will take care of this, and that will be trying to get Jarvis Brownlee on yeah. one of those or, guys or Bar- Barry on Brown. That, yeah, those are the you know. Those those guys, they're going to try to to again 
It's not anything where Levis is taking a three, five step drop uh, and then at the time going to strike across the middle. That has not happened at all this season. Uh, I, as you guys know, I was at that Mississippi State game uh, and, and their whole uh, identity, their whole ideology on, on offense in the passing game is to just get things out of Levis's hands as quickly as possible. One other thing to look at um, last season. Uh, can t- or Will Levis ran for, I believe it was 300, let's see here, double check, 376 yards and nine touchdowns. Against Louisville, he ran for 113 yards and four touchdowns. Um, this season, Levis has run for two touchdowns and negative 97 yards. Yes, and just to, to I have the Will Levis numbers here. Look at this is how much we think of like mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games this season that he's played. He's finished with negative yards. Yeah. rushing including a, a season best negative 36 yards against Missouri how about that for the numbers that and he's still going to be drafted in the first round that's what I freaking hate about the NFL draft man like golly the guy couldn't be any worse well, one and, thing but he's he's the next Josh Allen Jacob what do you yeah think? but Josh Allen ran the other way he ran the right way that like oh, Josh oh, run that's what it Josh is Josh Allen oh. couldn't hit the broadside of a barn coming out of his draft prep I remember laughing at him throwing a freaking ball at the senior combine yeah, uh, and he would just hurdle the man in front of him but, like, and just run their ass over. But this is a point that, I mean, none of us have brought up, and I'm not sure y'all have even thought about it. Uh, who's on the Vanderbilt staff and the Missouri staff? So on the Vanderbilt staff, you have Norvell McKenzie, who is our ex-running back coach, and you also have the head coach of Missouri, Eli Drinkowitz, who sat, obviously has a relationship, being both being former coaches at Appalachia State. I mean, Missouri played them very tight, and Vanderbilt obviously beat them. Uh, if you don't think those coaches are talking in some way, shape, or form to beat Kentucky just because nobody freaking likes Kentucky, then uh, you're crazy. So Yeah, I, I believe that. I, I, I would not be surprised if you see some wrinkles in there that, you know, whenever they go to install on Tuesday, some stuff that possibly, funny enough, that Vanderbilt football ran or something funny enough that Missouri football ran. Yeah, I think hey, the- if it works to beat Kentucky – Run it. So be it. But I, I think the big difference is what you're going to see on Saturday that maybe wasn't the case against Missouri or Vanderbilt um, so much. You just called this out is the fact that Kentucky very much plays to their opponent, right? Vanderbilt, hard to get up for Vanderbilt on a Saturday at noon when it's 29 degrees outside. And it's I raining. think they like, played that game game. actually at 11, too. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it was so early even game. Yeah. an hour earlier. Yeah. So you're talking about that. Whereas this, Louisville is in the top 25. They're having a, a bounce back season. Everyone has been really just kind of giving them the love in the state. And and meanwhile, in Kentucky, they're six and five. Mark Stoops has, you know, had these pretty bad NIL takes, or at least Kentucky struggle with NIL and football recruiting. Their team has been a disappointment on the year. They lost to Vanderbilt. They've struggled with, you know, Miami of Ohio. Things have just not gone that way. But what you can guarantee is that Kentucky is going to show up still. Um, and defensively for Louisville, you cannot rest on your laurels here. You have got to be aggressive. You've got to play sound football. You've got to be uh, emotionally together. You've got to be prepared for the, the BS that they're going to send your way. The extra, you know, hands to the face from the offensive lineman, the, um, you know, the, the late pull downs or not letting guys get up, like just little things like that, that, that set people off time to time. Look for their offense to kind of try to pull some of that out this year, knowing that their offense is weaker than what we've seen in years past. Um, and still for Louisville, you just can't get manhandled up front. That's been the difference the last couple of years. Whatever you want to say, it's just been the it's been the difference. Now on the other side of the ball, um, why I also am confident in Louisville here is Kentucky 
does not wreak havoc defensively. This is a, a big year. You know, they've had defenses over the last couple of years with guys like Josh Allen, Cash Daniel, like, um, you know, all these guys that have really been um, difference makers for their linebackers, their, say, you know, their secondary, all these guys. They've sent a number of guys to the NFL over the last three years, and they've recruited extremely well. But this year, they just don't have the pieces that they've had. 119th in the country in sacks per game, 126 in tackles for loss per game. They're just not, uh, not that good from a defensive standpoint. Um, and so for Louisville, the name of the game here, or, well, I shouldn't say they're not that good from a defensive standpoint. They're they they are they are Kentucky's still 19th in total defense 19th in scoring defense they've only allowed 19.6 points per game um and 63rd in the country in rush defense so they're still strong up front big boys who are going to command blocks that are going to have the ability to make plays they just don't have the other pieces around that have capitalized in sacks so for Louisville how do you take advantage of that Vince what do you do when you have a defense that's going to come in wanting to play hungry aggressive but they're just not there from a, from the standpoint of making the plays uh to take advantage of uh, I kind of think, I mean, I think, like you say, Kentucky's going to come out uh, trying to wreak havoc. I think their D-line's going to come off with a lot of push and try and get to the quarterback. So running some quick game quick game stuff uh, might be beneficial for Malik uh, or Brock, whoever, whichever one of a, whichever one of those guys is in and starts and stuff. Uh, just something to get the ball out of the hands quick, make it easy, easy completions. Uh, stuff to kind of show Kentucky that uh, – you know, this heavy rush or even an inside zone rush uh, right at the blitz to where you can uh, kind of block them, you know, with their blitz, having a linebacker shoot through the C gap or shoot around the outside and have, a, have an Isaac or Marshawn come come backside and uh, smack him. So Jawar can come, come right off his butt or something like, oof. Pause. <laughs> you paused yourself there. That was a good one. I just I wasn't even listening to half of what well, else you just well, said until you you stopped with that. You could have kept going and I would have not even you, noticed. I mean, I I noticed, but I was just like, I guess he's just gonna keep going. Yeah. Hey now. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, what was what was I the point? Know. I lost my train. Of you lost your train of thought there. Any yeah. other way to say that? <laughs> no. Right <laughs> off his ass. <laughs> there you go. That's Come off better. his butt. Much better than right off his Come off his butt. Oh but still, that sounds terrible. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep it moving here because I don't know what the point was there. But I don't know. Uh, I was trying to, uh, you know, just <laughs> certainly. Talk, I was trying to talk about how we can work around them blitzing. But what also scares me is JJ Weaver coming off the edge on a one-on-one matchup with Trevor Reed, somebody that's from Louisville. Yeah. No, yeah. we all know Louisville didn't recruit JJ that much, so you know this is going to be a personal game for him. So, what if JJ Weaver like... plays at Louisville next year? What if that happens? I think that might happen. I remember hearing whispers about JJ wanting to transfer like his freshman year on Twitter and stuff. And his mom had to shut it down and all that. Yeah. I would have yeah. loved to have JJ. JJ would be wreaking, uh, wrecking havoc on our team right now. Well, so hey, I, mean, I he, heard JJ, I heard if you're listening, you want to come over here? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, we, we can, we can illegally tamper, right? Well, I, I, I think Adidas can. makes gloves with, with extra finger holes. I know you got to <laughs> squeeze that one in there for <laughs> Nike stuff. <laughs> I know it's, uh, <laughs> I know it's a well-known thing that JJ JJ Trainer JJ Weaver is still a he grew up a Louisville fan. He's a Louisville fan that plays football for Kentucky. Yeah, and I don't know. Hurry, we need a pass rusher. That's all I know. You're, you're I, starting I pass mean, rushers he, next year are unproven. I don't know, JJ. Yeah, hey, if you're listening, hey, it, it, hey, I wouldn't say unproven. Popeye Williams did just fine in the game the other day. I pointed that out to Presley. I, he was in the game, and uh, for mm-hmm. being a true freshman, he held his ground. Yeah, yeah. We were like, he was 19. We're like, oh. 
Okay. Pop, yeah. Hi, Papa. What yeah. you looking so, at, Papa? Let's and go then, ahead and, and transition into predictions here for this game. Uh, right now, I think the line is at three. It opened at uh, three and a half. Kentucky's favored in this one. Um, the, the, the prediction thing here, here's the hard part, right? We've said for two years now, when we've talked about Kentucky, we're not going to pick Louisville to win because of the fact that we have to see it to believe it. I've picked Louisville to win each of the last two games they've played. They've gotten blasted each of the last two games they've played. We've said Louisville can't, you know, they're not built to be able to handle the manpower of Kentucky because of how beefy their lines are. Like we've just not built to play that kind of football, but yet here we are. In year number four, and I feel as confident as ever that Kentucky's going to lose this game. Louisville's going to win. I'll go first. I said coming out of the break, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I've made up my mind. Louisville's going to win this game. Louisville just does, in my opinion, everything well that Kentucky does bad. Uh, and I I think the momentum right now, this 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 uh, Satterfield check in the box of all these things that he's not done in this season to really show he's the guy. I think he's going to win. I think this team's going to play aggressive. The way he talked about Kentucky this week in the press conference just made me feel a little bit more like he's starting to understand the the edge that he needs, that his team is looking to him for in this game. Um, I think that Kentucky has turned the ball over when they face pressure on the year. Um, Obviously, Louisville is going to have to show that they can stop Chris Rodriguez on first and second down. We're going to even probably see much more Will Levis running the football uh, in some of those RPO plays where he has the ability to decide what he's going to do, keep it, give it, or throw it. Um, I think that Louisville just has to play sound football and in coverage. They've just got to make sure they don't give up that one play, that that second big play. They can do what they did against NC State, where they bend but don't break and then get a stop on fourth down, hold them to a field goal. I think that you're going to see two quarterbacks from this offense from Louisville. Uh, I think they're going to have a, a decent enough game throwing the football uh, to win, but it's going to be the trio – of uh, Tyon Evans, Jawar Jordan, and Malik Cunningham running the football that's just too much for Kentucky throughout the game. And then defensively, Louisville wins this game that way. I think that they win 24-17. to They win by seven points. They hold Kentucky to a low-scoring game, and they do just enough to win uh, and walk out with the Governor's Cup for the first time since 2017. 2017, yes. 2017. 2016. 2016. There it is. 17. 16? They 17. win 17? We I never 17. can remember. Did Lamar lose? No, he lost we, in 15. We, I was 15. on both those teams. We lost in 16, yes. and then uh, that was the fumble year. Uh, I remember the elbow, which has something his BS, but whatever. And then the 17 was the fight at their place with that dirty linebacker that they had that Stoops yeah. let play after the Missouri game, after he spit on a fan and did all that crap. But yeah. whatever. Uh, I think the cards are going to win. Stoops football for you right there. Uh, I know culture man rewarded with it. $8 million a year. How about culture? Uh, I'm going with the cards 26 to 17. Uh, man, a lot like you, Jacob, I have picked, picked Louisville, picked Louisville, been on the team for, you know, I've obviously picked it. It just, I don't know, man. I've, this is the best I have felt about us winning the game. Uh, with how, like you've stated, our D-line and our O-line with how well they've been playing up front, I feel like we, which is, it's crazy to say, we don't have anybody really different in there than what we had last year, but I feel better this year with how our D-line and O-line are. Uh, I expect our seniors to want this one more. I mean, like we just said, talked about guys haven't. The last class to beat Kentucky is this guys that were on the team still in 2017. Guys behind that have not beat Kentucky yet. 
So they better be taking this one personal and taking it like a business trip and treating it like the rivalry game is supposed to be. And, you know, what, what did I say? 26-17? Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm going with. I like it. Presley, very shocked by both of our score predictions. Well, no, not uh, just I – just, I, I know it's backwards, but can you see what I wrote? I wrote before you guys said anything. I like that. <laughs> and he also wrote something, too. That's great. Yeah. My my so my prediction is 2416. And I wrote that down before you guys said anything. Uh I I mean, I'm still scared of Olevis. And I, I know it's like a PTSD yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like uh coming out of like a toxic relationship. Like you meet other people and you're just like, uh, maybe you suck too. Like you can't yeah. you know, you're guarded. You're guarded. It, yeah. I, I'm guarded, and it's kind of like after the Boston College game when they played Virginia and they look good and they played Pitt and they look good. And all the analysis was, okay, well, no, that was just the other teams played bad games. That couldn't possibly be the Louisville Anything played a good game. Done. Yeah. But the data is there this year that Will Levis played very, very well against Louisville last year because their offensive line dominated Louisville's defensive line, dominated Louisville's defensive line. That Louisville got pushed around on both sides of the ball, but especially the Kentucky's offensive line against Louisville's defensive line. Kentucky was able to do whatever it want from the wanted from the very, very start of that game. Uh, Kentucky's offensive line is, is a polar opposite of what it was last year. And unless, again, it's a rivalry game, you throw it all out the window, boys. Um, but, <laughs> but, but the reality is it, it is a rivalry game. So, you know, things that haven't happened all year will happen. Absolutely. Uh, with that, with all of that in mind, Vince, I, I kind of feel the same way as you. Like, I just can't see – the senior class going out without a win here. Like I, I, it's just, it's too difficult for me to envision after what's happened, what's transpired over the last six weeks. Right. Uh, you know, really they should have had a six game winning streak. They're a ranked team. Uh, you know, they, they played right there with Clemson. They blew out a bunch of teams. It's not like this is a fluke. They have, they have consistently shown what their identity is just as Kentucky has consistently shown what their identity is. So, with all of that in mind, there's going to be fluke stuff. Kentucky's going to try to trick plays. They're going to try to get in the Louisville's head. They're going to try to, you know, try to punk us. They're going to try to come out and do all of this just, just BS that they become known for under Mark Stoops. With all that in mind, I think that Louisville finds a way to squeeze out a win on the backs of the running backs, right? I, I think that that's the key, regardless of if Malik Cunningham plays or not. I think we've seen Brock Doman's 2-0 as a starter, and it's, it's two wins by – uh, what, four, 14, no, 15 and 17 points. Is that right? What was the score last week? Two wins by Brock Amation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah Rocky like points. a hurricane. Freaking. Rocky like a hurricane. Brocktober's, Brocktober's over, but. Uh, We're Do- still brocking around the clock, man. November is is right here, baby. We're in the middle of November. November, baby. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on for days about, about this game, uh, you know. I, just show I, I, up, show up, be aggressive, and play smart. And let's go. Just, just show, up. show up. That if, is Louisville, the big if Louisville shows up and matches the energy, yeah. that's it. it it's that's it. But you know what? It starts who it starts with in this game. It's Sat. 
it starts with Sav. Mm-hmm. I better see him coming out on that field with that same kind of locked in face we've seen in card March. And I know it sounds silly to say, like, but I need to see it. I need to just see Sat understands the brevity of what he's going into. All right, Louisville basketball tipped off. We're gonna get out of here so that we can all watch the game. Uh, hopefully we'll watch a victory tonight. Jacob Lane, Vince LaCoco, Presley Meyer, thank you guys for tuning in on a Thanksgiving edition of From the Pink Seats podcast. Subscribe anywhere that you get your shows. Subscribe to all of the State of Louisville podcast network shows, including Starting 502 Podcast, where you can find this man, Presley Meyer, after each victory. A lot of losses, but after each, I should say after each game, uh, with a lot of losses. But <laughs> we'll get there, baby. Of, we'll get there. Yeah, at we'll, some point, just keep building, baby. It's looking promising right now. We're five break. And Louisville is winning the basketball game. That's there right. you go. So we'll get out of That's here right. quickly so we can we can say that we left the game when it was winning overall. But it's, be sure to follow the pod at Oh, PC shit, they're losing I, now. Oh, damn it. <laughs> on Twitter, at Vincent Lococo, at uh, Pressmeyer, at JacobLane08. Uh, and we will see you next week uh, for our final regular season wrap-up as we look ahead uh, to bowl season and uh, wrapping up the year. It's crazy how fast this football season has gone. Uh, but hopefully we will do so with a win. Uh, and so until next week, go Cards and go, uh, go cheer on the basketball team. They need you. As Kenny says, we need you. I need you. We'll get out of here. We'll see you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.